Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. Dan Darling is back with us. Dan's been a regular guest of us over the years. He's a pastor, also the uh, director of the Land Center for Cultural Engagement at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, author of several fine books. And, and Dan, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Uh, great. It's so glad, uh, so good to be on here with you again. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. We're happy that you're with us. Dan, I understand from John that you're writing about unity, and I think, well... <laughs> This is probably an important subject for us to talk about. Please help Because there doesn't seem to be a lot of it floating around the Internet. Yeah, I mean, there's so many perverse incentives today toward disunity. Uh, you know, we're living a very divided culture. Uh, you know, there's a lot of incentives on uh, in the digital age to sort of make a name for yourself by putting yourself against someone else. And, and to be sure... You know, when most of us think of unity, we kind of roll our eyes and think, uh, you know, a bunch of people standing weirdly around a campfire holding hands and sing, singing Kumbaya. Right. But Or pass it on. But the Bible actually – or pass <laughs> it on. Um, but the Bible actually does talk about unity, and we're not talking about not fighting for important things. You know, uh, Jude says to earnestly contend for the faith, and Paul told Timothy to stand firm in the faith. But um, the Bible also says to uh, try to be of one mind, to uh, – uh, work for unity of the spirit and the mm-hmm. bond of peace to as much as possible of peaceably. And we're talking about unity among brothers and sisters in Christ who believe, uh, uh, who believes, you know, the important truths of the gospel, but might differ on secondary and tertiary issues. And how do we love each other well through some of these things? Right. Well, one of the problems I think, Dan, is that we can't differentiate between uh, issues of primary importance and secondary importance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I actually have a chapter in this book. The book is uh, Agents of Grace. Uh, it's out uh, from Zondervan um, in May. But I have a chapter on there uh, on how to distinguish and how to make those distinctions. You know, and the church has been doing this for two thousand years. You know, what are issues that really matter? You know, that that is this body of truth that comes down from the apostles from Scripture. And what are things that Christians have have had deeply held the beliefs on, but are things that we can agree to disagree on. And then there's issues even below that that are kind of preferential, that even people within the same denomination might disagree on. You know, things like how to educate your kids or how how exactly handle COVID or how do you do cultural engagement. And what's distressing to me is um, that, you know, and you've probably seen this in your lives, that people who agree on a lot of things, in the last few years, um, you know, maybe the Venn diagram even overlaps quite a bit. Don't talk to each other anymore because they disagree yeah. on something that is important but not ultimate. Right. Yeah, Dan. I mean, I, I think everybody out there in some form or another, you've either gained some new friends or lost long, long time friends. Mm. Um, I mean, what you just said about, you know, the, the perverse incitements for disunity. This is the, the sort of the cancer of our time. And it's hard. I mean, if you would get people in the same room and look people in the eye and say, let's talk about this, but there, there is no room for sort of just discourse that is direct and non... Wait, what, what did we read today about something about Twitter that they were making... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so you're, uh, Twitter's now allowing non-toxic slurs... As long as it's not hate speech. 
So, so, so we can now engage. What is it, even a non-toxic right. slur that we're interested in engaging <laughs> with? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, and it, it's really something. Any, any, you talk about something that, that I think is important. You talk about friendships, and uh, I talk quite a bit about friendship. And the Bible talks about a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I actually prefer the King James version that I grew up with. Uh, a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. I think of that word sticketh, and I think of like you know gum on the bottom of your shoe, mm-hmm. or you actually you know glue your hands together with super glue, or you know when my daughter eats, uh, my youngest daughter eats waffles with syrup, and she sticks to everything. You know, it's just like you won't let go. And and I think of a friendship like that where you know Ruth says to Naomi, "Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God." And she says, "You know, I'm not going to let go of you." And 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 I think in this age we have to prioritize our friendships and really hang on and say. You and I disagree strongly on this issue that's not of primary importance. Sometimes you actually annoy me, but I'm not going to let you go as a friend. Um, And to to treasure those friendships and to nourish them and not let important things but not ultimate things uh, take us away from those. That's really good. I mean, you you see people, and I'm sure you do, it's people who have been with you through all these seasons, Mm -hmm. right? Before Mm -hmm. you were married, young married, then, you know, longer, then you have kids and sickness and job loss and job gain, all the joys and the downsides and the celebrations and the heartbreaks. And then people get angry for weird reasons and step away from each other. It's like you lose a piece of yourself. No, that's exactly right, and I've seen it all around. Or you maybe you see, you know, in the last few years, a friend is radicalizing one way or the other way, left or right or whatever, and you're like, I don't even recognize them anymore. But I think we have to, as best we can, try to hang on to those relationships and uh, and not let people go. You know, um, Jesus prayed in John 17, and he said that the world would uh, know that we are his by our love for each other. Uh, and, and Francis Schaeffer, who was an apologist in the previous generation, who was not afraid to stand up for truth, was not afraid to push back against cultural uh, forces that were, were evil. Nevertheless, he, he wrote a book on Christian unity. And one of the things he said was that the world has – God has given the world to right to, the right to judge the validity of our faith based on how we love each other. In other words, the unbelievers should look over at Christians and say, I don't know how they do it. And it, there's no reason they should be friends and they should love each other this way. But, man, the way they love each other is so strong. And I just think it's a challenge in our age. Are, I mean, are we are we doing that? Are we loving our brothers and sisters in Christ with a special kind of love? The new book is called Agents of Grace, How to Bridge Divides and Love as Jesus Loved. We're talking to author Dan Darling. Um, I wonder, Dan, if part of the problem is that people – shrink back from having difficult conversations. So I think that, you know, what you're saying, people can like nod along with and say, yeah, I see that that's important. But it's but the, Yeah, the only way that you're going to be able to move forward, though, is to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, what's, what's up? up with you? I'm sorry, what's going on? Yeah, what's up with you? Or I'm sorry, or whatever it is. Sorry. And I think that I just, I don't know, it seems to me like people just shrink back from that more and more. What do you say? No, I think you're right. And I think when we're talking about love and the kind of love that we only have because he first loved us and we are able to love our brothers and sisters in Christ this way, it's love that is from a shared reality that we're, that we're one in Christ. And 
Um, it's not this kind of superficial relationship where we don't ever talk about hard things. I actually think the best kind of friendships are when you've actually gone through something together and you you are saying, man, I, I've gone round and round with my friend on this issue, and it looks like we're never not going to agree on this. But, man, I, I love you too much to let you go, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I think having those relationships is rich and meaningful um, to do that. And to ask ourselves, what does love require? Mm-hmm. Uh the the chapter the love chapter in First Corinthians one of the things it says love requires is that love believes all things in other words I think Christians should give each other the benefit of the doubt it doesn't mean we're naive uh, but it means that we don't automatically assume malice on the part of the person who yeah. disagree with that oh they're just doing this for this or they're just trying to do this we don't really actually know that and mm-hmm. to just say okay I disagree. And I don't like where they're going with this. Sometimes they annoy me, but I'm going to love them through this. Yeah. I mean, Dan, I, I love the idea that you wrote uh, agents of grace. W- would we all be mm-hmm. yeah. an agent of grace, right? I mean, you look at the DEA or the IRS, they yeah. all have agents. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's rare that someone in our midst, well, of course, we recognize who they are, those saints among us. Oftentimes, more often than not, those people are lovers and agents of grace. That's so good. Yeah, and, and this book is maybe the most personal book I've written because I'm talking here about a couple of really hard and deep betrayals I've experienced. You know, uh, I have a whole chapter on church hurt and how do you heal mm-hmm. through that. But I mean, one of one of the ways that we do we do operate as an agent of grace is we learn how to forgive and we say, "I've been hurt deeply, and I'm not going to I'm going to because Christ has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive others. I'm not going to carry this with me." and see everything in my life through this lens. Mm-hmm. It doesn't automatically mean that you reconcile. That takes two people. And it doesn't automatically mean that you restore trust with someone who's hurt you deeply. But it does mean that you forgive, and uh, you you refuse to sort of carry bitterness around with you. And, and I think a lot of our disagreements in the Christian world, some of them are substantive, <clears throat> but a lot of what we see, I think, is built on resentment. It's mm-hmm. built on unforgiveness. It's built on bitterness, whether it's in our families, in our churches, online, whatever. Um, and, and, you know, Christ calls us to a different way, to a better way. And I, I can't control the church at large and how people are, but I can control myself to say, as much as I can be, I want to be someone who has deep convictions, but is also open-handed about things that we can disagree on. And as someone who's uh, willing to forgive someone who, uh, another brother or sister who hurts me, because I also need forgiveness. I will hurt people, and I have to prevail upon that uh, forgiveness that Christ offers as well. That's good. Dan, uh, one more question for you before you have to exit because of time. Um, can you tell us about what someone might expect if they got the book? They're saying, okay, I, I hear what this guy's saying. Yeah, I want to do that. Do you have like a 10-point plan? Do you have advice? Do you have like... What's your prescription? Yeah, what's the prescription? Well, I think people will just walk through what, what are probably for them real life examples, examples from my own life. Um you know, uh, growing up in the church, I also think just thinking through real life scenarios where people are going through this in their families and their churches and their communities. Um, there's a cynicism, I think, that is set in for, for many that everyone's wrong. Every church is on the, you know, corrupt. Every institution is this. And I think we have to resist that and believe that God is at work in this age and can do and, and is at work among them. Among us in ways that we we may not see, and so really, it's just a walk through um, some of these very difficult things, and to say, you know, what can I do to to be someone who 
is an agent of grace in my community. That's good. You refuse to carry bitterness with you. Dan, as you leave us, people want to find you online. I know you got a Substack. Uh, give us the details. Yeah, so you can go to my website, DanielDarling.com. You can check out my newsletter. Uh, you, you know, you could have a link to that on my website. And then you check me out on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all those places. If you can handle my, uh, my sports takes, you know, uh, <laughs> check me out on Twitter. <laughs> I went to Pitt. It's hard for me, Dan. It's oh, okay. Though. Plus, we root for the Pirates. We can handle those sports <laughs> takes. We're, we're used to abuse. DanDarling.com. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today.